Hello, I'm Sarah Connolly and today I'm talking about something that's really exciting to me, the Adventure Syndicate, which is a group of women who do awesome things on and off the bike and have mad adventures. Now, two of them, two of the nine women here are talking to me today. The first one I spoke to back in December, she's Emily Chapel. she's a bike courier, mad mountain adventurer, author. How are you, Emily? Very good. How are you? I'm great. And then our second one, um, all the way from Scotland, is Lee Craigie, who is a Commonwealth Games mountain bike rider and also runs Cycle Therapy, which works with kids excluded from school, helping them do mountain bikes. Hi, Lee. Hello, Sarah. So, guys, can you tell me what, 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 how, how, what is this? What are you doing? It sounds amazing. <laughs> yeah, we did an awful lot of chatting. Um, yeah, last year, and we, we talked about um, how uncomfortable we were about the way women seem to still be represented in the bike industry. And we thought, well, maybe we should go about, instead of challenging, always sort of being down on the bike industry and, and challenging them and getting into conflict, which is never really a way to resolve any any issue. We talked about providing an alternative way, a, a, different, a different way to, to view women in, in sport and in cycling in particular so that's sort of where it where it started for for me it might have a slightly different take on it but that's where it started for me well I've been quite uh, dismissively saying well we just decided if you can't join them beat them um <laughs> but I think it was yes it was it was similar it was along those lines but also realizing that actually we don't really need anymore to keep whinging about oh no you need to recognize women because we we actually have quite a lot of power ourselves if we just get together and use and that has really been borne out in the syndicate because as we've gone we're, we're still very very new but everybody we mention this to says oh my god yes this is what we've been waiting for can I get involved can I get on board and it's just like it was waiting to happen and we had to get our act together and make it happen wow and you've got nine people on at the moment can you tell us a little bit about who they are and how you found them and got them in and, and how you lured them in <laughs> <laughs> make it sound terrible they all really <laughs> offered <laughs> it's interesting isn't it like like-minded people attract like-minded people and and um, all of the people that are um, within the syndicate we already knew um personally as well as professionally so um who do we have we have uh Doris home a very um old friend of mine that i used to race uh, cross-country is just the most fruitable character imaginable when she was when she was 18 she repaired a, a sailing boat and sailed off around the world on her own got pregnant had a baby and then sailed at home she's wow. just incredible yeah yeah quite quite a character and when you ask her about that and and she sort of epitomizes what all this is about really for me because we think we're not capable of things and then we get ourselves in a situation and we realize that we are and that exactly is is what what I keep thinking about when I think can I do this and then I think about Dorita um, so she was a real big influence and factor in, in my way of, of thinking and my my way of developing my um, my drive to succeed so that's one and we've got um, we've got my friend Juliana Boring who is quite a, a new friend of mine she's the the world record holder for cycling around the world very fast no one else has really has really done that no other women and she and I made friends last year and had this silly thing of um I thought she was a bit of a hero but she'd read all my my blog and stuff and she thought I was a bit of a hero so once we had a couple of beers and got over that we realized we were going to be great mates and then it was really exciting because I'd never met anyone else who could cycle and wanted to cycle as much as me so we we did a ride up to Edinburgh together from London in a couple of days and it was really nice not having to worry about the other person, like knowing that even if they were really suffering, it was OK, because most people I'd ridden with, you've got to take into account that they don't want to go as hard as you do. And this has been for me, with a lot of the people we're bringing into the syndicate, it's really exciting because it's as if I'm finally finding other people who want to do the odd things I do and feel the same way. I think there's a lot of scope for taking that further because also people that we mentioned, you know, we talked to people about this and they say, well, you know, I don't want to do things exactly like you do, but I'm so inspired. And now I want to go and do something I'd never considered doing before. Wow. And that is part of how we, we sort of plan to work. Yeah. yeah. 
And you've got um you've got Tracy Mosley who's like one of my mountain bike goddesses in there. <laughs> She's amazing, isn't she? Tracy's an incredible character because not only is she a world class athlete, like the world and enduro champion of, of the world of the world, she's just incredible. She's so, so humble and down to earth and concerned with people and she is someone that you can instantly connect with and relate to. And there's none of the usual ego attached that you would expect from from somebody that's that's kind of world class at something. She's really good at engaging and encouraging others and the reason for getting her on board was because she is so good at that. Yes, she's an incredible athlete who, you know, we, we could talk about what she has achieved all day or we could talk about just how incredible she is at encouraging other people to to push the boundaries of what they think they're capable of. And that's the bit really with Tracy that um, I'm in awe of. Yeah, I mean, I, I think about her as like um, Evie, Richard, Evie Richards, the young rider who just mm. the, just won the cyclocross under 23 world championships this year mm-hmm. she i first came across her name as someone tracy was mentoring which oh, is yeah. just lovely you know it's lovely to see yeah. that happen and it's lovely to see you know once you've been around the sport for a few years you start to see these things kind of coming through and and and, mm. and paying yeah. off it's incredible isn't it tracy's the world world downhill champion however many years running and yet she, she goes out riding regularly with the Malvern Cycling Club to to specifically to encourage more young people to, to ride bikes and, and develop personally and, and socially as well as physically. She's amazing. And then your other rider, you've got um, Harriet Pike, Kate Harris, Kate Rawls and Sarah Alton as your other current members. Can you tell <laughs> us a little bit about any of them? So um, Sarah, it's, it's Uten, not Uten. Sorry, Sarah. Uh, Oops. Uh, I'm sure she gets that a lot. And... Um, she, for similar reasons to Tracy, actually, we wanted her on board because she's a world-class adventurer. And if you haven't heard of her, she's just come home from this four-and-a-half-year expedition around the world under her own power. So she cycled across all the continents and she rode and kayaked across all the blue bits, wow. including the Atlantic and the Pacific. Yeah, she's the, one, she's the one who says that she's scared of deep water, isn't she? Yes. I read that on her profile. I was thinking, What? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, in terms of, you know, what are you, what are you famous for? Blah blah blah, kayaking across the Atlantic. What are you scared of deep water? That's like, <laughs> I mean, that's instantly, instantly. I want to know more. Instantly, yeah, that excites yeah. me and makes me think, wow. And and I've, you know, I was reading all your profiles, and I love the mixture, the way that different different athletes have taken a different approach to the "what are you scared of" questions. You know, everything from mm, um, is it is it interesting? someone who's scared of email backlogs, which I'm completely down with, and you know, and everything from oh, I'm scared of I don't know chickens. I know that's not a real thing. Through to you know, I'm scared of failing. I'm scared of wishing I'd done more. That was a theme, wasn't it, that ran through a lot of the answers was I'm scared of getting to the end of my life and looking back and thinking, oh, oh what if? Yeah, that, that was interesting to me to see how we all feel a similar way about that. And a lot of people are scared of small spaces as well, I think. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah. But I... And, and I like the way that everyone seems to kind of be approaching it with a little bit of sense of humour, but also being serious. You know, that kind of mix of that kind of slightly flippant thing where you're saying this really scares me. And this scares me, but it's like a different, you know, it's on a different level. And that was like really, that was really interesting to me because it wasn't I'm scared of getting raped in the middle of Afghanistan or something. It was just felt really, I don't know, everything I like. I love your website. I know this sounds like gushing fangirl, but I really love the way that you guys are actually approaching it and talking about things already. And this is just the, this is just before you even started anything. Mm. Reading Em's blog post when it first went live, I was thinking, yes, this is doing things in a, exactly the different way that I was hoping that it that it would. You know, here we are, a bunch of people that can do amazing physical feats. But actually, the interesting bit for me, and then and it always has been, the interesting bit for me about physical feats is what goes on in your head while you're doing them. So, so that I mean that that part is fascinating. So tracking that my own journey and finding out what what goes on in all of these other amazing women's heads while they're while they're journeying and how we can apply those thought processes to to our everyday life and 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 use that information to encourage more people into doing interesting things that might help them grow and develop emotionally as well as physically Facing up to people's fears is one of the most interesting and important things because that's what stops people from doing things. And 
my my experience was I you know I've done a lot of things now but I spent my entire 20s wishing I was that sort of person but not actually thinking I was and when you take apart the fears it's all these sort of little half-formed things of yes but I just don't think I really could or yes but what if something bad happened but I can't imagine what that would be and it's one of the most useful questions you can ask someone and say, well, what are you actually frightened of? And then try to either break that down or find a way of getting around it and overcoming it. And it's interesting, the the, the sort of the combination of uh, of the, the serious fears and the flippant ones, because I realise when I think about it, I actually am more frightened of my tax return and missing a visa deadline oh, than, God, yes. yeah, than, than most of the, you know, the big scary things like being eaten by a bear and getting frostbite and all of that. It's the, it's the little minutiae things that seem to put people off. And that's great because I don't know if we're ever going to be able to do a workshop on how to fight off a bear, but we are going to be able I, to... I'm banking on that, actually. I'm not doing that. Until I've gone on a workshop how to fight off a bear, I'm not doing the Tour Divide. Oh, all right. Okay. Well, I've got a polar bear outfit. We'll sort this out. Did you see Perfect. the video a couple of weeks ago of um, a TV presenter's um, skiing in Japan? where she was filming herself on a selfie stick, singing to music while she was skiing or snowboarding. And there really was a bear chasing after her. And she didn't no. realise until she got back and saw the video. No way. I'll send it to you afterwards. I'll no, put... don't do that, Sarah. It's fine. <laughs> <laughs> it's Look, fine. I, I don't need to see that. <laughs> but, but, I think, but I think that's kind of almost symbolic in that this terrible thing was like happening to her and she really didn't know. And she was just doing it anyway. And she was enjoying herself and out there and loving it. And she didn't get eaten by a bear. I feel like that's maybe, maybe that should be your motto, Lee. <laughs> yeah, maybe. <laughs> so... So, so you're not a team. You're not a. This is the interesting thing to me because in a cycling world, you know, you're not, you're not, you're not coming together as a team who's going to be racing and being competitive. You're describing yourself as a syndicate, and I'm quite interested in the fact that a lot of you are doing things where you race and you do your sports and you do your adventures as individuals, but you're coming together as a collective. So, can you guys tell me a little bit about what that means and why you've taken this path? So. I think when when we think about sport and ways to approach big physical endeavours, we think about typically masculine characteristics, don't we? I think we think about achieving and beating others and striving and independence and strength and and focus and determination and solidarity. But what we're keen to promote is the idea that you can still do amazing things, you can still achieve incredibly difficult physical feats. In a different way, there's there's more than one way to skin a cat. And when you're looking at achieving huge physical feats, like the North Coast 500 team time trial is the perfect example of this. Um, uh, seven of us from, from the syndicate are going to uh, race a, a non-stop team time trial around the North Coast 500 route in the north of Scotland in, in, in May. It's May now. Oh, no. <laughs> really, really soon. Two, week, two weeks, right? You can do it. No, no. there are no bears in Scotland. <laughs> I know I'm already here. I've done the hard part. The travel's over. <laughs> you guys need to get your fingers out. But that, I mean, that is, is, is the perfect example, isn't it? We're a, we're a group of individually strong, competitive women that are coming together to work together for a, for a collective aim. Um, and it's because we're working together and it's because we're um, we're pooling our resources and we're we're going to be working for each other and collaboratively that we will hopefully succeed. So it's a different set of strengths, a completely different set of strengths that we're trying to showcase as also being a, a, an amazing way to, to achieve physical excellence. Yeah, I think also that we're, we're a bit bigger than than just a team. So we're not just going to be going out and racking up medals and, and podium places and things. Um, we all do quite different things. Um, a lot of us do races. So, for example, Juliana has entered the Race Across America this year. I'll be racing in the Transcontinental. Lee has quite a few things lined up. And they're all very different fields and very different disciplines. And, I mean, the kind of thing I do, it's barely even a discipline. It doesn't have a governing body or anything. Mm. And also we have all our if you like recreational adventures so we're all off on our bikes sleeping in the woods a lot of the time <laughs> I'm hoping to go somewhere very cold and suffer a lot this winter and that's not that's not an event really that's just a thing I'm doing so we could call ourselves a team 
But I think we'd be constantly overspilling the boundaries of the team because there's so much more that we do. And I think it would it would be a bit restrictive. And I think also practically quite a lot of the syndicate members have existing commitments to, to teams and sponsors and things. And it's easier for now, I think, to keep it as a sort of a, a less restrictive official thing. Otherwise, we'd be bumping heads with people all the time. Am I right in saying, um, from from my point of view anyway, it's really lovely, the idea of, comforting is a better word, the, the idea of me going off and when I'm on the Highland Trail 550, for example, the 550 miles fully self-supported through the Scottish Highlands, it's going to be so cold and lonely and I'm going to be tired and um, there'll be moments where I think to myself, what the hell am I doing? But I find real comfort in knowing that... <laughs> M's feeling the same thing in the transcontinental. <laughs> <laughs> and so you don't actually need to have, you know, these these people that you admire and that you draw strength from right next to you physically. You can stand shoulder to shoulder with them in a different time and space. But just knowing that she's out there doing her thing while I'm doing my thing is is more than comforting. I think knowing that someone gets it as well, I, there's a few different aspects to it. So I've I've done this on long, hard rides. I've thought about particularly people like Sarah Uten and Juliana. And partly I'm thinking they're so strong. It's amazing what they've done. I wish I could kind of tap into some of that strength. And partly I'm thinking if they can do it, surely I can find a way of doing it. And partly I'm thinking if they were here, it would be really helpful. And partly I'm pleased that they exist. And partly I think I'm thinking, well, you know, they can do it, so you should be able to do it too. Come on, chapel. <laughs> but there's a there's a lot of different aspects to it. But I think just knowing that there are other people who do these things and who can, because, you know, I think we might be starting to paint ourselves as these incredible, tough, adventurous, elite athletes, but we're all still scared as much as anyone else is. And the solidarity is... Um, mm. And it does help with the fear as well, I think, doesn't it? So again, sort of thinking, uh, yeah, no, I'm not sure that I can do this. I am a little bit nervous about it. And just having somebody to to chat that through with and make a bit of a plan with. And, and when it does go wrong as well, you know, the, the, the post-trip or the post-race dip that you inevitably get to, to have somebody yeah. that you can speak frankly with about that and, and turn it round and, and know that, they've got you back and they understand why you, oh, you know how much of yourself you just laid on the line you know that that's invaluable really um, and it's the bit that is often missed out when it comes to when it comes to post-race analysis um, I used to spend a lot of time with guys after racing and it was different because they were just well that's it it's over so now we move on and, and they don't talk about it or they don't try and discuss you know, how things could maybe be different the next time. And I was always wanting to talk about it more and, uh, or, or, you know, or go delve into it a bit more and, and try and draw out the, the emotional or the social complications of, of, of racing at, at sort of a high level. I was desperate to speak about that stuff, but it wasn't really the done thing. Um, to and to find people that are interesting. Is, that's something we're hoping to do as well, is to create a forum to, to talk about the aspects of... Uh, I don't know, adventuring and competing and travelling and all the things we do that haven't really been talked about so far because I come more from a sort of adventurous cycling background than a sports background. And that is predominantly male. And all the different, you know, the groups and the events and all the, the places there are to sort of get together with those people are initially, you know, male instigated and male dominated and I'm doing everything I can to change this so I've, I've got a bit of a thing for hijacking events and kind of turning panels with my magic wand into all women and things like that <laughs> but it's still it's still early days and I think in some cases we just don't really know what it is we want to talk about yet but we are going to discover wow there's com some completely different ways of looking at these things and that's part of what we need to do I think. Mm. Oh, this is going to sound a very, very kind of business type question, but what are the outputs of, of the syndicate? What, what, I mean, obviously you're racing together and you've already started putting out some really great blogs. I love both of your blogs. But what, what do you want to produce as things? And then what do you want the result of those things to be? 
so well I I can answer this because I I keep talking in a very business-like way about our workflow so (laughs) it's sort of sort of what our what our workflow I've never heard you mention that term. What is workflow? You must be switching off. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's, uh, you, has she's zoning out. Has she not talked to you about her about the output, um, the key performance indicators, and the other things mm. that you'll all be hitting, and your <laughs> and your your six month um, six month reviews to kind of look at look at what you said you were going to achieve and, and whether you've achieved it. It might just go a little bit quiet at this end. Scotland, <laughs> yeah, so you, Scotland might switch off. <laughs> you can just zone out now. Okay. <clears throat> well, the- I'll go and do some work. Carry on. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The the workflow, um, such as it is, is a sort of a three step thing. So we 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 do our thing. So we have our adventures. We ride our races and whatnot. And then um, the second step is we write about them and we put up photos about them and we create films about them. We've got a film a filmmaker on board for the North Coast Five Hundred in a couple of weeks oh, because we need we're going to host excellent content on the website and that will for many people be their first port of call. And they will poke around among the blog posts on the website and start to think, right, I'm I'm feeling really fired up. I want to do stuff like this. I want to, you know, the world is opening up in front of me. I want to go out on my bike and maybe ride a whole 10 miles or maybe ride around the UK or something. And then the third step of the workflow is going to be actual hands-on, in-person intervention. So classes, talks, workshops, training days. So we've got a programme of winter lectures coming up. Once we've once we've had our fun in the summer, we're going to spend the winter talking about it. And we're going to be running weekend courses at places like um, Glenmore Lodge in Aviemore in Scotland and uh, workshops and basically trying to actually meet with people. And as I was saying before, sort of help them to identify the obstacles that are standing in their way, which will often be fears or will be practical things like but I don't know how to index my gears mm. or I'm not sure how it actually works to put a bag on a bike and go out into the woods. So we'll do that with them. Mm. I was wondering whether you're going to have kind of urban adventures. I mean, I'm very much into land art, for example, as, a, as an art thing. And for me, finding ways to translate land art into my urban environment, into my kind of urban existence was a really exciting thing. So will you be, mm. I guess when I look at the pikes, for example, and they're, glorious riding over incredible mountaintops and I think wow that's wonderful but I it feels like a million miles away from me or or your your Alaskan adventures M, which are glorious but I kind of feel like oh I could never do that are you going to be like looking at how you can do a kind of I think that's a brilliant idea Sarah are you going to head it up for us we'll go to well, from Bristol we'll, we can ride somewhere <clears throat> we can go to Lee Woods yeah camp in the woods and then come back yeah or just or just even just going down the bristol spikes bath cycle path when i was first starting riding that was an adventure and or realizing i could go to the stanton drew stone circle which you know i don't drive so that was out of my that was out of my reach but you know i do a lot Uh of urban exploring in terms of walking and it's Uh and it's like oh that that's the interesting thing that i was wondering is, is does that come next will there be ways to link people because I I, I feel so. like there's some of that yeah. already. I feel like there's that already. You know, someone who's like talking about going on a mountain bike ride, for example, that's a link between. It feels like when I read your your members' things, there's a link between. Okay, well that's out of my reach, but that's within my reach. And this is exactly what we're we're wanting to do. So one thing we've been very careful with. I'll go back to the urban thing because I'm I'm interested in that too. But one thing we've been very careful with when picking them athletes is it's no good just having someone standing way up there on the top of the podium and you all look at them and think yeah but obviously I'll never manage that you need to have sort of stepping stones to sort of show the way up to the podium or wherever you want to go however high up you do want to go and that's why uh, we've sort of picked people who have a lot of different things going on so they might be like Lee Craigie for example um <laughs> hi Lee I've heard but, of her she's pretty good on a bike um and she's you know she's got a few medals and things but she's also doing new things so she's talking about entering the tour divide next year and from what i gather she is scared shitless and doesn't know half of what it is she has to get her head around so she's at the bottom of the learning curve and i've i started mountain biking less than a year ago and I'm really embarrassed about it because I'm really bad. And I've done quite a lot of other stuff. So I turn up for events and people are like, oh, 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 is that Emily Chapel?" And then I turn out to be really shit and it's awful. <laughs> but um, I think it's important to have those, you know, to show that 
people are still learning and okay yeah you maybe you're never going to be sharing a commonwealth podium with lee craigie but actually she's probably just about as bad at um i don't know riding 300k days as avoiding bears as the next person yeah yeah we will we will find that out and Um, so the the urban thing i'm on that because i started off cycling to work and it was 10 years ago now and I was terrified. I couldn't sleep the night before and it was seven miles and it was really frightening. And um, I managed and after a few days, it wasn't frightening anymore. And then eventually I became a courier and the rest is history. And that's how I got into it. And I think for a lot of people, especially if they live in urban areas, cycling to work five miles along a canal path might be their first taste of it. And then who knows, in five years time, they might be cycling around the world or they might just be going on a nice touring holiday every year. Um, and I've actually got I've got an event coming up. It's going to be autumn now, I think, where I'm going to be taking some people on a ride around London and showing them different places from my book. So that's actually you've given me a really good idea because we might just do a few more of those because going for a ride around London and showing people how how a city works is lovely. Mm. Mm. That bit just winding back a second. That bit is really key for for me as well. This idea that when we think about encouraging women into cycling automatically a lot of minds go to the um this sort of beginner aspect it's, it's oh well then we must pitch it to to beginners and then there's there's a bit of focus on female performers at a very elite level and there's a whole there's a whole swathe of stuff in in between that just gets completely missed out so i'm i'm, I'm really keen like emily says to, sh- to show that progression to show that actually the gap between those two things is just time it's just time and, and dedication. And if you want to be a world champion at something, then, you know, you get out there and you and you work towards that. Whether or not you ever achieve that is, is another thing. But there's nothing to stop you stepping out of your front door with that aim right now mm. and, and, and working towards that. And, and I think we miss that. We definitely miss that. We, we think that ambition is ugly or being competitive or, or succeeding. It's non-feminine, isn't it? Like we're you know a lot of women are socialized to feel that we have to be cooperative and that excludes being competitive and that you know if you're competitive you're some hard-faced bitch and and you lose you lose some of you know your social socialization or something yeah isn't that interesting because put put take a child from its mother and show me fierce you know that Mm. that's going to be fierce isn't it so it's in it's in there the instinct to strive and protect and fight it's it's all in there and it's perfectly natural um and it's and it's to be applauded i think in in certain in certain situations i think it's something that should be absolutely remarked upon and 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 held up but it's about knowing when to to pull that bit of yourself out and and show it to the world and about knowing when to tuck it away and in my experience female athletes are quite good at that they know when to to tuck that competitive part away and when to work cooperatively, which is why I think this team time trial is hopefully going to bring all this, all these aspects of, of, of um, strong, capable women together. Who oh, were it's and- wonderful. So I, I spent the weekend training with Ricky Cotter, who's the um, British 24 hour mountain bike champion. And it was a perfect textbook example of that because we, we rode for hundreds of miles and we raced each other up the hills and she's an absolute demon on the hills. It was really hard keeping up with her. <clears throat> but we were also talking the whole way. And I'm very new and nervous with this whole trying to be an athlete thing. And she was helping me and advising me and pointing out things I could do better and talking through my fears with me and things. And then we'd race each other up the next hill. And it's this sort of perfect switching in and out of let's help you with that. Let's you know give you a boost. And then let's try and beat each other. Yeah, yeah. Like, well, I, we go back to, to Tracy, don't we? And her, her. I'm, I'm trying to be the best rider in the world, and now I'm starting a new discipline, and I'm the best rider in the world. But I'm also helping people who will be the ones to beat me <laughs> in the future. Mm. <laughs> yeah, you've got to be pretty comfortable in yourself, don't you? You've got to be pretty sure of yourself and happy with what you've done to be able to to give the people that are eventually going to beat you a, a, a leg up. Yeah. Yeah, I think that shows a real sort of depth of character and and a and a 
a broader world worldview, doesn't it? What what's important in, in in this world? Yeah, yeah, and I love that. I mean, I loved looking through your list of writers. You know, you've got a woman in her late fifties. You've got someone who's a mum. You've got people talking about what else they do at work. There seems to be like that that thing of and like you you say, Em, about starting starting mountain bike in your thirties. The thing I find interesting, why I love the pro cyclists and why they inspire me is not because I can ever ride my bike. You know, I hardly ever go on a bike, but I take a lot from them that, wow, they do this amazing stuff. So maybe I could do stuff. You know, it's not in the same field, but it's still it's still inspiration. And and having someone who's a little bit like me in some way, you know, in some tiny way that makes me feel, yeah. Yeah, I can see them doing it, so maybe I can see me. Yeah, and I think what's interesting, Sarah, is that the stuff that's going on in your in your brain and in your bloodstream is the same as what's going on with those women competing at a different level, mm. you know. And and that's that's why I am so drawn to this this sport actually because I, I know that um, I know the effects that it can have on whatever level you choose to engage with it, the emotional and the social as well as the physical. It's a uh, it, it doesn't. It doesn't really matter what what level you you do it on or what level you aspire to do it on. Um, just in that moment, you can get you can make your legs go round and you can change your brain chemistry in the same way as you can, as an elite racer can. So it's it, it's got it's got value f- from the minute you get you get on the bike or you know actually forget about the bike. The minute that you start to to change your your heart rate in anything, you're taking control of your of how you think and feel about the world and we lose sight of that Hmm. so just let's talk a little bit about the other things you've done I mean Emily obviously you've been on your book tour suffering suffering you you tell me how you were suffering from uh, wrist strain from signing so many books and and you know and 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 losing your voice from saying thank you for all the compliments how's how's that been Oh my goodness, it's been terrible. I'm I'm barely recovering. It's <laughs> it's been fine. It's been actually it was it was brilliant. I can't imagine any book tour being more fun because I cycled to almost all the different cities that I I spoke in. So it kind of handily doubled up as training and um meant I got to go out on my bike and I've got a lovely new Shand bike which was uh, a treat to ride for it. And then when I was in every city, usually the person or the organisation hosting whatever event I was doing was the local bike co-op or the bike cafe or something, which meant I met up with all the bike people in every city and you always get on well with bike people. So now I've got this wonderful web of contacts with lovely people all over the country. I've hung out in all the bike places. And I think also if you're promoting a book about bikes, it just goes so well because you've got a ready-made community to tap into. Mm. Like if I was writing about 18th century France, I don't think I'd get as good a turnout because you don't get people kind of identifying as um, being into a particular period of history, whereas cyclists... So it was all packed out and everybody was really, really keen. And I've I've sold one or two books. Um, I don't think I'm J.K. Rowling yet, but um, <laughs> but it's going OK. And now I'm now I'm calming it down a bit because I'm off to uh, I'm off to the States next month. No, this month now in May. So once we've done the North Coast 500 and I've got my legs to work again, I'm flying out to Seattle and I'm going to be cycling down to Oceanside in California in time for the start of RAM, the race across America, which Juliana, our, one of our syndicate athletes, is competing in. So I'll be support crewing for that. And then I'll be doing the transcontinental when I get back. Wow. So this is part, and this is part of your ongoing mission to cycle around the world in increments. Ish. Well, sort of. Ish. Sort of. Yeah. Ever smaller increments. Um, <laughs> it's when, I, when I've got a spare month, I go off and do a bit. But there's so many other places I want to go and places I want to cycle that it's, it's not become... It's it's not so much a fractured line now as just a massive scribble. Wow. Excellent. And can you just remind people about your book? I love your book. I think your book's great. And if people want to hear Em talk about her book, there's a there's a interview I did with her in December and you can go to my site prowomenscycling.com and pick it up. But what's your book called? My book is called What Goes Around. And would you believe it, the title was actually the idea of Lee, who we also have on this podcast. Um, many people came up with titles. Hers was the one that stuck. Hers was one you picked. Thought up on a bike ride, in fact, which I thought was quite fitting. Yeah. And Lee, you've been racing this year. You were riding, well, riding the, the Loch Ness Sportif recently. But I wanted, oh, yeah. I wanted to ask about your other hat because you set up psychotherapy. Um, 
tell, mm. tell us a bit, little, bit, little bit about that. Okay, so um, so I used to work as a child and adolescent psychotherapist. I was a, a, a school counsellor, so I was I was based in schools, working one to one with mostly boys, um, aged thirteen to to fifteen, who were disengaging from education. It just wasn't doing it for them. Um, they couldn't concentrate in class, and um, they were when. They were they were really struggling with with what was being asked of them in the close confines of a school classroom, and so they were they were kicking off. Their behaviour was terrible, and so they were on the verge of being excluded, or they had been excluded from school. Um, and I was working in these pokey little one to one rooms with these boys, and it just wasn't working for me or for them. Mm. And I knew that we just needed to get out and just and just do. So I left. I left the counselling service that I was working with, and and I was racing at the time. So I was doing quite a lot of riding as well, but I was still I was still working, and I set up psychotherapy, um, which aimed to work one to one with these um, young men um, as a way to re-engage them, as a way to yeah help them deal with the the frustrations that they were feeling by not having their needs met through mainstream education but also really yeah we rode bikes together and we fixed bikes together but really that was just a vehicle for um helping us establish a really worthwhile relationship because they just spent their lives being told what to do by adults in authority and you know arbitrary things learn how to add learn how to how to spell and these boys, it didn't, it didn't matter to them. That stuff wasn't of value to them. What was of value to them was being able to fix stuff or propel themselves from point A to point B independently, having that sort of freedom, being able to manage their own, their own levels of risk, um, realising that not every adult is trying to tell them what some, you know, trying to control them, um, helping them achieve their own their own goals, their own objectives. Um, so really, it was relational. Yeah, we use we use bikes, we use mountain biking to to get that relationship established. But but really, it was it was a, a way to to get them thinking and feeling differently about themselves and about how they interact with with other people. Wow. And so, is, do you still do that, or is it is it up and running and kind of its own beast now? Yeah, I try and keep my hand in. So I try and always keep working with at least one young person. The referrals that the project gets now, there's two other people working for that project now because I'm all over the place doing doing other things. And we also, it's, it's, and it's expanded now, it's, uh, it's part of Velocity Cafe and Bicycle Workshop that also run projects for women suffering from poor mental health or, again, like bike mechanics courses for, for these young men that have been excluded from school. We're just about to set up a men's mental health project as well so it's all sort of around the same theme and all these projects are ongoing and I dip in and out but I always try and keep at least one young person in my books because it reminds me of why I ride a bike because I I feel those same frustrations that those 13 14 year old boys feel if they're being contained and they're not getting their their pretty basic needs met um, I can totally relate to to that, and so I think I think hanging out with them reminds me of just how important it is just to remember the basic things, get the basic things right. Ride your bike because it makes you feel better when you're in a bad mood. Yeah, express express yourself. Don't be don't be told. Don't be don't follow the the party line. You know, don't necessarily just go down that mainstream education route. Think creatively. Think differently. Challenge yourself physically um, and emotionally. And these, these boys, they teach me that. Every time I go for a ride, I learn something new from them. So, yeah, I, I do I do keep trying, but it is hard because you've got to be consistent with these guys as well. So mm, you've got to mm. be in the same place at the same time every week for an eight-week block, mm. and that's quite hard for me. So I don't want to take on uh, an eight-week block unless I know I'm going to be there for, for that eight weeks. So although I try, lately it's been a little bit harder. Yeah, yeah. Wow. And, and Em, you were also involved in the Janiper grant, weren't you? I was. I still am, yes. We're still judging. So this is um, <clears throat> by far nothing like what Lee does, but this is a grant set up by, um, a, well, a, a fellow cycle adventurer called Tom Allen. Um, and there's a few of us on the panel, including Laura Moss, who is another director of the Adventure Syndicate. And the grant is, it's not money, it's just kit. So it's a uh, bespoke bicycle and all the kit you need for a long-term bike trip 
um, for a young person between 18 and 25 uh, to enable them to go off on an open-ended bike trip in in a foreign country or several foreign countries at a time where they're most likely to benefit from it. Mm. Because I think what's standing in a lot of people's way is, um, this is, again, going back to syndicate principles, really, it's partly just the lack of kit and the lack of money and resources and not knowing where to start. And it's partly the fears and they're often quite nameless nebulous fears and not knowing how I'd make this work and so the Janiper grant is offering all the kit and all the mentorship so we've got this panel of um, so-called experts like myself who are going to be able to sort of usher people through the process and it's been really interesting we've just read all the applications and started to narrow down a short list it's been a fascinating glimpse into what makes people want to go off on a long bike trip like this And um, it's also, we we sort of ask them, you know, what are your fears? What are going to be the biggest challenges? And that's interesting too. They're they're usually quite similar and they're all things like um, being on my own. What if something goes wrong that I haven't foreseen? What if it's physically harder than I imagine? And a lot of people are saying, my biggest fear is that I will give up, that I'll run out of the will to go on and I'll just stop. And, And I think, oh gosh, yeah, 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 I... I was, I was, I am afraid of that all the time. So that's, that's interesting. But it's, um, in some ways, it's a very similar thing to the syndicate, because we're sort of offering this, uh, not a handhold, but sort of a, we're spotting them, basically. And although only one person will get the grant, I think we're going to be mentoring quite a few people. Yeah, and you're hmm. taking away the reason not to do it, I guess, as well, aren't you? Like, like the, 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 the thing that yeah. the, ob- the thing I can't possibly I don't have the cash to do everything for example I don't have the cash to get my, my ferry ticket across the channel and start yeah, I don't have the cash to get the bike and the, all the stuff that I've got but I guess that's a kind of a reason to a, a way to take away one of those barriers yeah in a way we're just removing excuses I suppose. One one lovely thing about the Janapal grant, actually, is that it specifies that it has to be, it can't be a charity thing, it can't be an organised thing, and we're actually not going for people who say, I've got this project and I'm going to visit these six cities and these six countries and, and whatnot, because I think the whole point of these things is, to put it in a slightly hackneyed way, it's a, it's a journey of self-discovery. You need to have planned some stuff, because you need to you know you need to be able to look after yourself but it should be open-ended mm. um and that's certainly what I found when I I set off to cycle around the world I didn't haven't yet made it around the world the things that were important and the things I learned on that journey turned out to be very very different from the things I could have foreseen before I left and this grant is beautiful because it leaves space for that I think unlike a lot of similar grants it doesn't encourage you to plan out the entire expedition before you've even gone I really like what you said there, um, the, the removing excuses. I'm just thinking that that's, maybe that should be our strapline for the Adventure Syndicate. Well, <laughs> because you can't ever, you can't ever take somebody by the hand and make them do this stuff. You know, you can, you can provide opportunity, you can encourage, you can do everything that you can to enable, but ultimately it's got to be that person's, that person's choice to you. So you can sit and you can get into battles with them about there's this excuse and there's this reason and there's that one. But but ultimately it's just about helping somebody reach those conclusions on the, on their own. The will's got to be there. Mm. And what's so exciting is that since we've set this up, we realise that the will is there in so many more people than we thought like the feedback that we're getting the will is just all these little it's like all these little popcorn kernels all just waiting one one lovely thing was when um sarah when we were talking about the north coast 500 with our directors um so we've got um we're directors of the syndicate as our pamela barkley and laura moss and we were telling them about the plan and laura who's not as big a cyclist as we are but has cycled around the world so is a bit of a cyclist <laughs> um <laughs> But she she claims to be just just normal. She's not really. But she instantly said, oh, that sounds amazing. I wouldn't want to do that, but I'd love to do it as a tour. And then the wheels started turning. And she said, maybe in a few months after you've done that, I could get people together and say, now let's do it at a different pace in our own way. And that just happened instantly. And she didn't think that's really inspiring. I want to be exactly like that. But it sparked off her own idea. Mm, I think in terms of removing barriers as well, just almost accepting that people can't do that do you know what I mean so you're not saying to her oh you can definitely do it come along and join our team 
I guess there's the space there, or like the Janapo grant, or or like psychotherapy. There's the space for people to to understand that yeah, this this is a barrier. This barrier is real, but that doesn't mean you can't do this thing over there instead. You can, and that's 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 exciting to me. Yeah, and I think really, really, we we don't want to make it exclusive. There was a bit of a discussion. Um, well, it's a discussion that's popped up a few times. There was a bit of a chat on Twitter last week over whether whether elite sport really is as inspiring as all that. And I think people were saying, is perhaps the London Marathon more accessible and engaging than the Olympics? Because it's normal people mostly doing extraordinary things. And you can stand right there and have their sweat land on you. Whereas the Olympics, you're mm, most... Yeah. Oh, yeah. I'm going next year just for that. Um, the Olympics, you're watching a load of highly trained elite athletes, usually on a screen. And... I don't actually know, and I, I haven't really been able to find out what the stats are. I've looked a little bit at the statistics for engagement in sport pre and post Olympics and things, but um, I, I think it's I think it's really interesting. This is I love this stuff, and also quite crucial to give people yeah, give them the inspiration and give them the sort of gorgeous rippling muscles and all of that, and something to look up to, but also give them the accessibility and give them show them that it doesn't have to be this way it can be whichever way you want it's more of just a matter of kind of switching them on than yes and I was going to say it's personal taste isn't it because I grew up in London and I used to go to the marathon and watch people running and I I, I ran in it I think in one of the youth events when I was you know not the full marathon when I was a teenager but to me the idea of the London marathon with people dressed up in suits and shaking buckets and and breaking all their all their leg muscles is, is 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 abhorrent to me whereas watching the Paralympics especially and the Olympics is just just it just takes me out of myself but that's my personal thing and what I love about what you're doing with the Adventure Syndicate is you have so many different points of entry that if I don't like what you're doing Em I might like what Lee's doing or I might mm. be more into the you know uh, team at Tracy doing the you know doing Enduro World Series or whatever I know she's retiring from that but you know what I mean it feels like you've got yeah. a lot of you've got that range of of, mm. you've got a lot of space there for people to be able to find and this also leads leads on a bit to something that we've that has been entwined in the chats that we've had about it that have led to the syndicate being formed which is that um in current sport and cycling particularly and women's cycling and the whole women's cycling scene um the way women are portrayed I think we've both found, and a lot of people we know have found, it, there's not quite room for us. I'm I'm definitely a woman, but I'm not quite the sort of woman that you see in most of the adverts mm. and most of the cycling magazines and all of that. And I've, I had a chat with someone a couple of weeks ago and discovered, I thought I was the only one, but you sometimes you write something for a, a magazine and they put up a picture of someone else because you don't quite have the right look and all of that. I've actually um, turned down jobs because they need a picture of my face. <laughs> because they, wow. you know, I, I, I stopped writing for a website because they were like, "Oh, we need a picture of your face to go up against your words," and I was just so embarrassed because I'm fat and I'm old and I'm ugly and oh, and I don't look like that. Do you know what I mean? And it, and to the point where I'd rather just not take that job if I have to portray myself because because there is something about that that makes me feel, oh God, you know. <laughs> it's funny, Sarah, because I was about to say, "Oh no, that's terrible. You shouldn't feel like that. That's awful." And then I realised actually. I I mean, you might not even think it, but quite a lot of the way I've ended up doing cycling has been informed by that because I, I was never going to be a someone who did road races because they tend to be quite pretty and slinky and wear tight lycra. So I ended up doing long distance tours where there's not many people and no one cares what your mm. ass looks like. And, you know, I wouldn't say I'm fueled by self-loathing because I'm roaringly happy with most of what I do. But um, I think it does. It's sort of nudged me in certain directions. And now I'm thinking, yes, but if we only ever show people the, you know, the the sinky women in Lycra, many of whom are my mates, and I think they're amazing and look really good in their Lycra, then people are just going to carry on thinking, well, obviously I couldn't do that because I don't look like that and I don't present myself like that. And I'm now, I mean, I really, really wish there were more people about who looked like me so it didn't have to be me. But I, do, I now think, well, I want to I wanna start you know, getting photographed in Lycra so people can see that someone with legs like tree trunks is also quite good going up the hills. And hopefully then we'll have a new generation of women with legs like tree trunks coming through. Listening to you both talk as well is, is, is interesting for, for me because 
looking at these images of of slinky women in lycra in cycling weekly is not inspiring to me either like being on a world cup start line with women that are half the size and shape of of me which I, I would look at them and and i wouldn't think that they were they were they weren't inspiring to me yeah they could ride up hills but their their shape their physique wasn't wasn't um wasn't attractive in in my opinion and i know that that a, that shape and physique is attractive to a lot of people um, and to a lot of, of men in particular probably but when I you know when I look at a different female form when I look at different types of female form there's a lot of different parts to different types of female form that I find very attractive that, that just isn't portrayed um, in in mainstream media and I really think that it should be because it's it's beautiful the curve of, of, of an athletic woman's calf and thigh is absolutely beautiful and yet because it's not mainstream and because there's a there's a very there's a very possibly male-dominated or stereotypical way of looking at what beauty is um especially in athletic form I think we need to be challenging that because see if you just see a slightly different form out of the corner of your eye or in a different shade of light you know it's uh it's so much more attractive than than what we are led to believe is attractive. Mm. Well, I think it could all be equally attractive. I just I think they're missing a trick because if you look actually, if you look at the the syndicate athletes, I think between us, I think we're all quite unique physically. We've all got different attributes in different places at different sizes. That sounds a bit weird. And <laughs> <laughs> I'm now thinking about all our attributes. <laughs> I know. I'll, there'll, there'll be a chart. Um, Emily's work. We should line up our attributes. Um, it's something I noticed actually when I was a courier um, because you get a lot of thinking time when you're doing that and I looked at other couriers a lot they were all so different men and women were so different and different in shape and size so there were some men who were just built like bulls and they were huge and muscular and rode like demons and then there were some men who were pantani and also rode like demons and then there was me and I weigh about 80 kilos and I'm muscle bound and then there were some tiny skinny little women who could beat me on the flat and it didn't seem to make very much difference and and that I think is great I think the bike actually it kind of mediates between um I don't know what would you say the body and the road or something I don't think if you lined all the couriers for example up and got them to run a marathon I don't think the bigger ones would do very well but on the bike I think if you're if you're smaller, it kind of strengthens you a bit. And if you're bigger, it kind of reduces the weight and the impact of it. So actually, it kind of evens it all out. And if you look at me and Juliana, we've ridden together a lot. She's tall and lean and she's a former fashion model. And I'm short and built like a tank. And yeah, I can beat her up the hills. And you wouldn't really think that. But it's it's exciting looking at the differences and looking at how people's abilities vary and how how the bike sort of helps with all of that really and how your abilities are vary in different places so the you know the other thing is is that you know this this person is not this person is good at this but actually they're going to be better at that and even if that skill is for example their real skill is knowing where to find a toilet or or knowing where to knowing how to navigate the best route through the city for example that's that's an equally good skill isn't it as as or, or you know making sure you know how to get out of getting lost in hideous lanes where they've stopped signposting or whatever i mean i guess we don't need that anymore because of gps but you know what i mean yeah well no my garmin frequently gets me lost so we still need that skill <laughs> okay so a couple more questions this is my devil's advocate question i mean I'm a, i write about women's cycling but have you had any pushback on being only women or is people are people just embracing it a little bit yeah um and I think they've got a point. You know, there's been a couple of comments. Oh, isn't that a bit sexist? But I think until until we we've had a bit of a crack of the whip of being exclusively female in what has been an exclusively male-dominated yeah. industry and environment for a while, then I'm not sure that there's very many legs to stand on with that argument. Um, we I'm really really keen that we don't exclude anybody from this. Um, so if a guy wants to be involved in what we're doing, then I think it's absolutely brilliant and wonderful. But I think they do um, need to come on board with the sort of philosophy that we're trying to share here, which is based more on typically female values. I'm not, I'm not saying that, that, that women have, have a set of values and men have a set of values. I'm, I'm talking about the, 
the, the fact that there's female and male in all of us and that the adventure syndicate is is drawing more on on trying to sort of re- readdress the the balance there where we're drawing on on stereotypically more more female values I mean, I do, I do get guys' points. You know, whenever I I put out, oh my God, look at this great team kit, uh, Canyon Shram kit. It's only available for in women's sizes, and dudes will say, oh, it's so unfair. I really want that, and I just say, I'm really sorry, but I find that hilarious because there's so many different kits out there that if I wanted team men's teams kit, that if I wanted it. I couldn't buy it or I'd have to be squeezing my boobs into a men's kit that, you know, that wouldn't, no, no way can I wear the bibs. And I find that fascinating because it, I guess, I guess if you're used to having the world built for you more or less, and I'm sorry to anyone who's going, Oh my God, Sarah, shut up. Um, it, it, I guess it is hard when something isn't for you, but it's, it's, it's nice that you can still be valued and, you know, that people can be back. They can't be maybe a syndicate member, but they can be valued and appreciated and part of the syndicate, if that makes any sense. I like the idea that we're giving people different ways of, we're offering different ways of being. So a couple of weeks ago, we were down um, at Bespoked in Bristol, the, the Handmade Bicycle Show, and we spent some time hanging out with Findra, who are one of our, um, well, I don't know, would we say sponsors or partners or just mates at the moment, Lee? <laughs> Associ- we associate with Findra because they're, they're, they're a very small Scottish female bike brand. Um, that make beautiful things and uh, in fact it's interesting that you just brought this up em because i was just in a photo shoot with them on on saturday there where i think i'm thinking what you were just about to say so carry on <laughs> well what i was going to say was that uh, i think we both had the conversation with alex where where she was saying a lot of men come and say this stuff is gorgeous do you do it for men when are you going to do it for yeah. men even my father did i came home wearing some and he was like where can i get some of this and Alex said she's actually sold quite a lot to men for them to wear because they just think it's lovely and such clothing doesn't exist for men. And I think, well, that's that's great. I don't think you should ever do stuff for men. Just let them buy the women's stuff because we're, we're giving them an alternative style, an alternative way of being that didn't exist before. And for years, we have, with varying degrees of success and failure, fitted ourselves into a world built for men. And sometimes it's gone very well and I've done quite well out of it at times. But now we're creating a part of a world that's being built by women and men are very welcome to come in and do things our way because it's a great way and we'd love to have them on board it's my my sort of grand cod theory about sport as well because every now and again you have the argument with some bloke that yes but you know the strongest man will always be faster than the strongest woman so what's the point and my theory on this is that yes if you carry on with sport in its conventional model that's likely to be the case But if you change the sort of thing that you're doing sport wise, if you move more into endurance sports, for example, women and men are much closer there. And I think in a few years, it could be that if you're looking purely at endurance sport, women are actually better. And people are saying, yes, well, you know, the strongest woman will always be faster than the strongest man. But, you know. Well, or or, or when Emma Pooley was fourth overall in the Haute-Ville. I can't say it. But sorry, a massive mountain sportif. And the guy that she was riding with was like he they 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 kind of like there was some kind of not controversy but he was a bit pissed off that people were trying to get him to go faster so he beat the girl but you know emma pooley's come forth like so Mm. it's Mm. not the case and it's crazy you know Mm. of course on average men are taller than women but you know everyone knows like tons of men who are shorter than tons of women and that's the point exactly isn't it i mean there there are there are strengths to be had that if we just if we change the way we approach a lot of things not just sport but you know conflict in the world and you know trying to encourage young people to change the way they think and feel about themselves if we think in a slightly different way about that if we think non aggressively non competitively non um combatively then you know there there are different ways to 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 excel at, at things and just typically we do get drawn to a more male way of thinking about things but let's think creatively there are other ways to do things and that exactly is is spot on and what emma's just said about women having strengths in, in different areas and it's just about changing the changing the goal rather than changing how we approach 
smashing that goal. Offering a greater diversity of, I mean, I'm starting to sound like a diversity brochure here, but offering <laughs> a greater diversity of ways to be, not just for women. So not just that they can look, women can look at the different syndicate members and say, okay, well, I've got legs like Chapel and shoulders like Craigie and, you know, long hair like Juliana, so I'll be like this, for example. But also men can look at us and say, well, I've never quite fitted into this sporting model but actually that one that the syndicate have come up with maybe that would suit me better and Mm. that jumper they're wearing although it's for women that suits me better but I'll still Mm. wear my bloke shorts because they suit me better and just giving people more choice Mm. and there's some real real lessons to be learned like you're you're climbing Von 2 example um where um you know that that was a really different way to approach a physical challenge and I think that really it just portrays beautifully the the different ways of that that women and men or the female and the male can think about approaching a challenge. I think I think you should you should tell that story. <laughs> what right now? Yeah. It was a 7,000-word blog post. I'm not sure if we have time. I'll tell you what, um, I, can, I can link it. If you just give the highlights, if you if you ping me the link, I'll put it in my post because I always put the links to things that I talk about so people can click on it and see it. So give us the positive highlights and then ping me the link. All right. Well, um, to warn your listeners, it's a very long one. So make yourself a pot of tea and go to the loo first. Um, <clears throat> but very briefly... Um, the story of me climbing Vontu in the transcontinental. It was the end of day three. Juliana, my friend, had just dropped out of the race and I'd raced for half a day to see her before she left because of camaraderie and stuff and I'd failed. So I completely emptied the tank and I had to climb Vontu with no energy. And I mean, I can I can wax for a lot longer about how tired I was and how little energy I had and how I knew I couldn't do it, but somehow I had to keep going because what else could I do? And as I started, I, I cried. And then I came up with this idea that I would divide the, the 21 kilometre climb into sections of two kilometres, because I could probably manage two kilometres. And for each 2k section, I would think about a woman who inspires me. And I've never managed to find a way of telling this that isn't, doesn't sound cheesy. But that was how it worked. And that was what I did. And so I thought about all sorts of people, quite a few of the syndicate members, but other people, um, you know, amazing athletes and people who've done amazing things. And so, for example, I thought about Sarah Uton and she at that moment was rowing the Atlantic. And I thought about that and I thought about how strong she was. And I thought about stories she told me of other things she'd done. And I thought about uh, a ride she'd done where she had to do nearly 300k in, in a night once. And she said she imagined everyone she knew around her like a peloton sort of pulling her forward and supporting her and so partly it was just to distract myself with nice things to think about but partly I felt I sort of tapped into all of that strength and like like we were talking about before I think it it helps to know there are other people who've been here and who know what this is like and who are doing it at the time and so a friend of mine had done her first Ironman the day before and I thought about that, like she'd finished, she'd done it. And I was so proud of her. And I thought about that and how, how must she have felt and what must she have been going through? And I fueled myself all the way up the mountain with that. I managed to, to keep going. And I just, you know, it was, it was a matter of just do another two kilometers, then stop. Just keep thinking about this person and everything that's amazing about them and everything you know about them every conversation you can remember having for another two kilometers and then stop and I made it and it was horrendous at the time and now I look back on it as a really magical experience and it was only quite a few months later that I think Lee was preparing a talk on women in sport or something and found a study or something that said you know women tend to collude and collaborate when the going gets tough and pointed out that I, I was actually a textbook example, even though I didn't know it at the time. <laughs> and if somebody had given me an M's technique in some of the World Cup racing that, that I've done, you know, instead of, instead of um, you know, the, the, the traditional s- straightforward, just smash it, just empty your head and just, you know, tap into the energy and the aggression and just smash your way up that climb. That didn't ever work for me, really. When I was tired and I was low and and I wasn't sure of myself and needed to feel people around me. And if somebody had thought, okay, well, let's think creatively about this, Lee, let's think of a different way to, for you to get you up this hill. 
um, and maybe help me employ um, strategy there, then maybe my races would have gone a little bit differently. And so the typical male thinking can be enhanced, I think, by just just thinking a bit more creatively and, and thinking maybe more along those collaborative lines. Wow. I could talk to you two for days and days and days and days, but I do have to let you go. Thank you so, so much for telling me all about this. I mean, so your first adventure is the um, is the North Coast 500 in a, in a couple of weeks' time. How can people follow you on the North Coast 500? Well, they can get on their bikes <laughs> and we will be passing through. <laughs> um, people can actually follow us on their bikes if they want. So um, we're going to have a, a tracker map, which I think Lee is on at the moment, so I should maybe let her tell you about that. But we'll have a live tracking map and we'll be carrying a spot tracker so you can actually follow us around the route and see where we are and see how slow we're going and how much we stop and all of that um, or how far ahead of our, our plan we are. And we're really, really encouraging people. If they want to come and say hi or wave at us or better still ride with us for a few miles or you know go up front and pull us along for the whole ride we would really really love that that's kind of what it's all about and we're particularly encouraging people to join us for the the grand finale into into Inverness so just pick a point on the A9 about as far as you think can ride and just come and swell the ranks and that will be wonderful so how do people get involved in that we'll we'll have projected timings we'll put our projected timings up online so if you go to if you go to the Adventure Syndicate website um, there'll be a link to the Facebook page and either on the website or on the Facebook event there'll be there'll be timings of when we reckon we'll be passing through certain places and there'll be a map with the closest stations so if you want to get a train to somewhere and you you can follow our tracking device as well to see actually real time where we're going to be where then come and join us and yeah if you're used to bunch riding then get involved if you're not then come with a bunch of mates and just sit on the back um if you just want to stay home and tweet about it and send us some facebook encouragement then brilliant we're going to have a support crew that can relay that information to us um, if you want to just join us in inverness um, afterwards if you're up there anyway then please just do that and watch us dribble in a corner of velocity cafe and bike workshop on sunday afternoon evening you're very welcome so what, what, what's the date to hit hit up velocity cafe on um in inverness so we're leaving at 6am from inverness castle on the 14th of may um and we will be returning to inverness sometime on the latter stages of Sunday that's about as committed as I'm gonna get <laughs> and then if people want to find the adventure syndicate your theadventuresyndicate.com on the website and your adventure synd with a y on Instagram and Twitter and your the adventure syndicate on Facebook and where do people find you if they want to kind of follow your individual adventures might as well just all go to that site and there'll be links to to individual blogs from from that site but um if you want if you want to read more about individual syndicate members um we've all got i think pretty much all of us have got an individual blog um, some of them are really good so be warned you might get stuck <laughs> yes and um, lee lee is leecraigie.com and emily is thatemilychapel.com and you're both on twitter and both of your sites lead you to all your social media and your sides don't they we're impossible to avoid <laughs> well here's to the here's to the future really really good luck with it and i um i look forward to hearing all hearing more about it we look Thanks. forward to telling you more about it <laughs> excellent well i'll be i'll be i'll be with you in spirit but not reality in in, in two weeks time so thank you so much Thank you. Thanks, Sarah. If you want to find the links to everything we talked about today, you can go to my site, prowomenscycling.com, where you'll find everything about this, the links to the blogs, this, that and the other, and also the video of a skier being chased by a bear. I'm funded to do this kind of thing by my wonderful Patreon supporters who pay me for them as little as £2, dollars, quid, uh, euros a month to do this kind of cycling work. Thank you so much. If you want to join those Patreon supporters, then go to www.patreon.com slash womenscycling. And you can always talk to me on my website or on Twitter where I'm at underscore pigeons underscore. Thank you so much for listening.